1: Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score
3: Getting the opportunity to hang out with you Till 9 o'clock here on 670 The Score It is Gabe Ramirez And to give you some my, Must listen to audio man Ozzy Ginn was on with Mully and ha earlier today And we'll get a chance to hear From him I mean who? I mean, listen Don't you want to hear from Ozzy Ginn What he had to say about everything that was going on uh, we'll get a chance to do that in a second. But first, I just want to remind you that I will be doing Bears postgame. Are you with me on Saturday, Leo? I'm doing highlights. I'm not sure. I think Alex Kuhn is doing the postgame. All right. You got to check the schedule. We might be together again, running back our uh, our postgame coverage 3-5 to five on Saturday.
2: I think that's and- Alex with you.
3: Alex Kuhn? think uh, so. All right. The schedule just came out. I'll check it in a second. All right. Um, but we we finally reached the final week of NFL preseason action. How cool is that? And we actually got you covered here, man. Covered on the score with the latest discussion on the Bears heading into Saturday's game against the Bills. You should download the Odyssey app. I told you, Gertie and I, 6 o'clock tomorrow, we're going to be doing a go live. And it's essentially, I did it yesterday with the Chicago White Sox breaking news. I essentially just, I go on the app and I start this live broadcast and you get a basically a message, a push notification that says, hey, someone on the score is going live. And Grody and I are going to be doing that tomorrow. But download the app, search for 670 the score, tap follow to receive alerts on our Bears coverage. And if you can't get enough Bears, if go live isn't enough, if if our pregame coverage, postgame coverage isn't enough, you should check out the Take the North podcast with David Haw and Dan Weederer. The biggest news and storylines going into the 2023 regular season. Follow Take the North on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Again, Gabe Ramirez coming up at 8:30. Uh, we get to talk to Mike Golick Jr. I got some college football questions I want to ask him. Some NFL stuff too. We'll get to. Um, but I did want, like I said, I'm doing. This is a busy weekend for me. What weekend isn't busy for me, by the way? Um, but Saturday I'm doing. The post game, as I mentioned, and then Sunday I will be making my debut on The Reporters, the show on Marquee Sports Network. Look at that! Leo's impressed.
2: That's big time because it's always like a, a cool collection of who's on it. That's really cool.
3: Yeah, I feel like I finally got it with no idea. Okay, it's one of those things where they, they just hit you up and you just say yes, of course. It's just like, sure, I'll be there. So I got to be there. We'll, we'll, it'll be filming or airing, I guess, 1030 on Sunday. And then I know they have replays throughout the week. Two things about the reporters. One, the way they dress. Like everyone that's on there. It's like seven-year-old button-up shirt that the collar doesn't work. You know what I'm talking about.
2: The bar about. is set really low. Really for the low. Best dressed person Super there. low.
3: And there's some and, like
2: old gray suits to <laughs> like, just bland ties. You can really yeah. be the best dress guy there.
3: And <laughs> just show up. Really at, to do show much, up in yeah. a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, David Hall, I'm always impressed with his style. He always lit- buttoned up. Oh yeah. Again, literally sharp. Yeah. Always sharp. Whether it's football night in America, whether it's the reporters, he's always looking fly. It was weird seeing Danny. I went back and watched a couple of episodes just to like, you know, I don't have a marquee network, sports network, so I have to, like, go watch this stuff. And so I saw Danny Parkins on there, and I'm like, mm, you do not look right in a suit. It just didn't look right. I see Danny all the time coming. I do the night show, so I come in after Parkins to speak all the time. It's like
2: the same way when, like when I've seen Grody on it. Like, I'm used to seeing him dress yeah. casual and seeing yeah. him all bundled up is yeah. different.
3: You're right. People that you're not used to seeing that way. But Grody, he is a victim of the, you know, frumpy collared shirt. You know what you want to talking about. Like if you're going to your eighth grade luncheon and you never own the suit in your life and you gotta borrow your dad's. Not that Grody was looking like that. I'm saying, like, that's the vibe. It's like, you know, newspapers on the table. I'm ready, though. I'm ready. And then the other thing is, like, everyone's very buttoned up on that show. You know what I'm talking about. Everyone's buttoned up. And I'm like a, you know, shoot from the hip kind of a guy. So I'm wondering. Like, (laughs) now I've been on Sports Talk Live a ton. The show that used to be on NBC Sports Chicago. I've been on that show twenty times. So that's how I met David Haw. Initially, so I met Cap, great guy. So I met Chris Bleck, another awesome dude. A lot of people. Russ Dorsey met him on on there. Trying to think who else did 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 a did a couple shows of Ozzy on there. A Couple shows of Frank Thomas. That was probably one of my favorite on Sports Talk oh, like Live that. doing a show with Frank Thomas, and he and I disagreed on something, and I was like, "Dude, you're my childhood idol," yeah. and I haven't told you this, but don't disagree with me because then I'm gonna feel a certain type of way. But yeah, him, Scotty Pods, a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of good uh, sports that's personalities really cool, on there. I mean, Chris Emma, that's how I met Chris Emma. Both of those shows. It's really
2: cool for like a media nerd like myself to see all these people from the different platforms yeah. you consume in one spot. It was like overload for me as a yeah. kid.
3: Like, oh, Sports Talk Live. You talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and those things got dry too. Sometimes, yeah. you know, this, this is it's it can be dry. Oh yeah. So I would assume that well, the reality is I'm not changing anything. I'm going to continue <laughs> to be me. Like I will be Gabe on the reporters. Hopefully, they ask me back after I, <laughs> after I come through one time. Uh, anyway, so that'll be Sunday. So make sure you guys check that out. Check me out on the reporters. I'll have my nice purple streak in my hair. Nice. Yeah, that'd be great. they would love that. That'll show up well oh, on, the, yeah. on the thing. You'll be in HD. Who hosts? Like, is there, because it seems like a roundtable discussion. It's
2: nor, Like, I feel like the host always kind of rotates too. Like, Haw actually hosts it a lot, but right. then, yeah, he's not. we have seen other people.
3: It. Yeah. All right. All right. Reporters, Sunday. Check me out. I'll be on there on the Marquee Sports Network. Hopefully, it won't be the last time you guys see me on there. First and last, grand opening, grand closing. All right, speaking of grand closing, there was one on the south side. And it came in the form of firing, firings for Ken Williams and Rick Hahn. But I really wanted to hear from Ozzy. You know, I, I was on the air last night till 2 in the morning. So, like, 16 hours ago. Is that right, Matt? No, six, 18 hours ago. And... I'm like, why aren't you setting your alarm to listen to Ozzy again at 8 a.m.? And like, duh, that's the only person I want to hear from. So we have some, some audio from Ozzy that I want to play from you guys because you probably didn't get an opportunity to hear it. First up is Ozzy saying that he's still in shock about what happened to Han and Kenny Williams.
4: Oh my God, he just there's no doubt about it. It's not that about it. Uh, I I know something's coming, like everybody else did. Uh, the the situation the White Sox had, the way they played for the last couple of years, I know it's coming. I never thought it's gonna come this quick. I thought they gotta wait till the season was over. Uh, I don't think I never thought was going to be involved in that situation, but I know has been mom for uh, for Jerry make that kind of decision. Uh, it, it was a lot of conversation maybe with a lot of people before he made the decision, obviously talk to the to them. Uh, but I think right now White Sox fans are very optimistic now, uh, very happier now, even if it's not a good news. Why is that a good news? Just because the reason they got fired is just because the players they put on the field don't perform the way they tell you going to perform, and that's a, that's the reason I think was in good news. But in in the, in the other all the hands, uh, I think people wasn't waiting for this, but I think a lot of people was uh, a little bit happy uh, when when that when that news uh, come up in there.
3: Why <laughs> does sound so sad? I know it was early in the morning, but come on, Oz. I get it. I get it, though. you, These are, you know, Kenny Williams, he has a relationship with Kenny Williams. Ozzie Guillen has a relationship with Rickon. And so where you might not have agreed with his hiring for manager of the Chicago White Sox, you still care about the organization, care about its successes and its failures. Ozzy went on to talk about Bob Nightingale, and it's interesting to hear a former coach talk about a guy who continuously is leaking information.
4: Well, it just—it just that just you know, what I mean? we, 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 you know, I mean, every time Bob Nightingale says something on Twitter, he's right on. I don't know how,
1: yeah.
4: I don't know how he's doing it. The information we guys is very, very accurate, very good. Uh, I think you know, what I mean, that's why I say you know I me mean? because. Uh, you know how the experience I went mean, to the White Sox in the minor league, system something very bad, very, very, very bad. And uh, to get that job like just like that. Uh, by the way, this can be the last general manager ever. Going to be next to Jerry. Right. If Jerry had to pick the, the Jerry had to pick the 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 guy he thinks is going to be the best. Uh, when you're going to make it. Uh, decisions like that, you cannot take it with your heart. You got to think it with your brains. What is the best? What I should be? And that's what it did when they, they fired one of the best two guys they have for, for a long time. You're talking about Kenny's been there for like maybe 30 years, maybe 30, 40 years. I don't know. But uh, season, I think that, that decision was bad. The decision to make who going to come in, I think it's harder. And I think really, really, really really had to step it up and be careful what he does.
3: I was asking the same thing. I was like, I wonder if Kenny got fired because he was the one that was dropping information to Bob Nightingale and people were tired of that. Like you have an internal investigation and you're like, yo, I said that that's the first question you should be asking. Who the hell keeps giving the information to Bob Nightingale? And then you're like, Oh, it's Kenny Williams. I'm not saying he did. I'm just saying that's a thought that came in my brain. I'm like, I could see them firing him because he was like, bro, you just you can't have our business all out there. And it's you that's doing it. We found out. You're out. Now, when talking about a replacement for Rick Khan and Ken Williams, people are unhappy with the fact that a lot of the potential prospects for the gig are coming from the Kansas City Royals.
4: Well, you know, I mean, they know each other. for. for I don't know why they keep bringing people from Kansas City, to be honest with you. You know I me. Mean? <laughs> I, 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 I don't. I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, that, that, that organization is not in great shape. Uh, I know they did a great job Come from Atlanta to, to Kansas City. did an unbelievable job. But look at the players they have. The players they have in, in Kansas City, the players they have now on the future the White Sox now. They even compare, even close. And that, that's why I think uh, 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 that decision is going to be very hard. I'm not going to say, oh, my God, how are they going to – Chris is gonna do this. this is the same way. It's the same. It's just like you know what it is? when you fire the manager and the base coach. It going yeah. to be the manager for Richard. That's yeah. the same exactly the same because those guys are in the same group. If you fire the manager, the base coach is one. The next guy you got to get fired because that's his right hand man or whatever he is. And uh, it's funny when when organizations do that. They fire a the guy and the base coach coming in do the job. When those guys wasn't the same page for whatever years it was, and uh, that's the same way it's gonna happen uh, right now. If, if that was the move, I, I know what to say. I cannot say we cannot say how good Chris Gets is gonna be or not. Uh, it's a lot of guys out there, very interesting, doing the job before, get it done. But uh, maybe, maybe Jerry knows something. You know what's funny? When they talk about Chris Gets, I don't think Chris Gets got any sense to. Say is that, and we might know the organization very well. But when you go to make an opinion, they go, Shh, eh, 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 eh. I guarantee that. Or have an opinion like, hey, why don't we not do this? Why don't we not do that? Um, they uh, they go their own way. They got their own way to to make decisions. Uh, maybe it's one part why Jerry like it because maybe when they had the conversation, uh, uh, he will say what was wrong, but he don't have any opportunity to jump on it because they don't let him. And that, that, that could have been too that, that can be that can be the case if they think about Chris Getz to be the guy.
3: I mean, it's great stuff from Ozzie Guillen right there. Great stuff because his perspective is so unique and it's one that you must listen to. He is looking at it from a, an executive standpoint as well. When you're looking at this team, whether they come from Kansas City, whether it is Chris Getz. Ozzy also talked about the fact that Chris Getz was, was a part, as we all remember, of his interview process when he tried to be manager of the Chicago White Sox.
4: Yeah, he was there. He was, I did not talk much. My interview was very short. My interview was like, hey, buddy, how you doing? You want a cup, cup of coffee? Yes. Uh, because I'm not going to give them my, my I ain't stupid. I'm not going to give them my opinions and they can work on it. Nope i just talk about it. i talk about it. I me a couple of questions. I know Chris Geff for a long time. He played for me. I went down to the minor league to see this kid play. Uh, Manny Trillo told me when they have dinner in Spring China. He said, you know what? I, I think this kid, nobody likes it. I kind of like him. Can you go come down tomorrow and, and take a look at it and, and see how, what you think is wrong or right. I went down, sit down, watching practice, watching him, watching play he uh, wasn't it wasn't Roberts, no was Pantera, but I see it see something out there like he play hard he, he 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 know what he was doing on the field compared with the rest of the kids, and the rest of it was history when we have a chance to call him up uh I asked him about him, and they did it, and I don 't say it was like Mr Roberto Alomar player, but he did he did what he's supposed to be doing on the field uh, very smart kid, uh, but as i was i don 't know exactly uh. Is what it was, what it does. Because I think my opinion is that, man. My opinion is I bet you they don't let him talk or have an opinion when they have to make decisions, <laughs> uh, compared with the players or talk about it. And uh, if hey, Chris Game going to be a GM, God bless him, but it's not an easy job to, to to be. Uh, and hey, we have to sit down and wait and to see who, who exactly who they are. Remember. Pedro, they're not named Bruce Bochy, Connie Max, Gee, uh, and Oh, well, they named all oh, Tony Aruz is back. And all they a they named Pedro before out, out of the moon. That's why they surprised everyone. You, you might be surprised who they're going uh, to bring to the White House organization. <laughs> oh,
3: my God. That's exactly what I wanted to listen to. It's exactly what I wanted to listen to. They aren't going to let Chris Getz talk to any players. Like like he's not gonna be the guy to do that. It's a harder job than you could imagine. They pulled Pedro Grafo out of the moon when the names that were out there included anytime he, he talked about himself, Ozzy gets Great. I love it. I think a sore spot for Ozzy was what some people assumed was his relationship with Kenny Williams. And it's because clearly they didn't like how vocal he was, but I know Ozzy said it on several occasions. He had the utmost respect for Kenny and he talked about it on Mully and Hall this morning.
4: Uh, Oh, you know, man, he was great. Uh, Maybe out of this, I don't know how many years I'm managing, maybe few months or one year. It was very, very intense. Uh, but you, you know the funny thing about it, it was so intense because Kenny Kenny have a manager, he's not gonna put up with crap. And Kenny you know he's gonna have a manager, he's gonna talk back to him. Kenny have a manager he, he wasn't afraid to the media, he wasn't afraid to the players, you know, he, he wasn't afraid to the to the fans. And that was working very well. We're working very good. All the songs from one day to other and uh, stuff to heat up. Uh, he said something I say I, I reply back. Then he went to family thing. They involved my kids around. My kids don't have anything to do with them. Uh, and, and then went crazy. And then went south. Bad. Very bad. Yes, it was a bad situation. Besides that, I don't have any problem with him. I, I, I'd rather have, you know, I mean, Kenny. Kenny, when he don't like you or something about you, he will throw you right in your face. He's not the type of guy gonna to high, uh, talk stuff about you behind your back, uh, whatever he got in his mind will, will say it to you. And I respect that. And other people just like, oh, I love you. We love you. And soon to they turn around, they even laugh what they say. But the relation with myself and Kenny, baseball, why? We two crazy guys go at each other. But at the end of the day, we make it work. We make it work. And that's why I thought that it was a painful couple of years for me and my family. All that situation with, with, with the. We Kenny in, the, in, in in the in the front office. Yes, it was. Every time we go home, my wife is sad. My wife is upset, uh, especially when the kids are being bald uh, All started, all kind of, all kind of crazy every day. It was something in the paper, and I think we was we were. I think we was doing a great job for the players, being in the paper every day with negativity, and I think Jerry had to pick one, one to stay. And he picked, he picked Kenny. He picked Kenny, and I respect that. And, and one thing White Sox and Kenny can talk about me, when I was a boy, that was the best year of their life, on their career, because I was in charge of my ball club, down with uniform. And you can ask every player play for me, anyone. The guy played every day, the guy was superstar, the guy's Hall of Fame, I was in charge of that team. And that made Kenny's job easier and Jerry's job easier. And that's why there's one thing I'm not proud about. Oh yeah, I feel great to win the championship here in Chicago, but I'm more proud of the way I handle it, my co the players, than, than anything else.
3: Just makes me sad as a Sox fan knowing that, you know, I want a guy like that managing the White Sox. Someone who is extremely confident in their abilities. I mean, whatever, I don't got to go on about this. I like Ozzie Guillen as a person. And I do like him as a as a manager. But I don't know why, because he wins. That's it. You win, and that's what you want. I'll leave you with this last one. Isaac Guillen telling Mullion Hall that nobody, and he he said he's doubled down on this a million times. Nobody knows this team better than Isaac Guillen.
4: By the way, I know that clubhouse before Pedro. I know that clubhouse when Ricky's on board. When you know, I know that clubhouse better than anybody. Because I got, a, I got I got cameras in the clubhouse, guys. I do have cameras. And I hear everything. I watch everything. That's why want to interview me, and I keep saying, the only guy know knows this ball club better is me. I watch it every day. I listen to them every day. I see the reaction. I see all the stuff, all the little details. Uh, I remember when they talk about Bruce Bocci, I call Bruce Bochy. I say, Bruce, if you come to the ball club. I'll help you because I know this ball club very well. I know why you have to be careful. I know why you who you got to deal with. And other son Bruce told me right now, I say, they never call me. I said, Oh, I'm sorry. Well, so you're gonna come here. And I said that to before also in the season. You know what I mean? I know I said, Listen, man, I know how you know, I know fans in Chicago, I know media in Chicago. I'm part of that. I'm the worst media, you gotta you're gonna have around. I'm I'm the worst. Believe me. When you're good, man God, I never said better. When you bad I will let you know how bad you are. And and that's the way I am, that's the way I did. but uh, when somebody comes up, a board with everything expectations, say, you know what? <laughs> That's a funny thing. Uh, we talking, you know what I mean? Uh, last night we were talking during the game when that happened, and Scotty Pod and those guy asked me, like, okay, if they call you, you the manager. What's the first thing you're going to say? Say, hey, guys, the reason I'm manager is because all you guys sucks. All <laughs> yeah. you guys are terrible. Yeah. That's the reason I'm here. And I'm here to get the thing better. You know, we just play around talking crap and, uh, you know, watching the game, talk about this, uh, all this move. But, uh, hey, whoever comes is, as a manager, general manager, uh, they have a long, long and very hard work to do because they are naked right now. Naked. Naked. And, very, and no, you know when you're naked but you have clothes on? Well, they are, they're naked and they don't have that much clothes on.
3: <laughs> uh, there's nobody like Ozzy Gian. I love it. All right. Uh, we are going to change directions. Talk a little college football, a little NFL with our next guest, Mike Golick Jr. Who does he think uh, can be uh, at the top of the Heisman list? Will it be Caleb Williams again from USC? Can Drake May make his way in there? Or is there a Tua somewhere in there that needs to be talked about? We'll discuss
1: with Mike Golick Jr. next uses during times of congestion.
5: to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
3: gabe ramirez on 670 the score I'm just waiting for the beat to drop. Like, I'm going to start yelling and putting my rock and roll fingers up. Leo here producing today. Oh, there we go. Da, 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 da. I feel like Beavis and want to do like breaking the law right here. Breaking the law. You're too young for that. All right. Uh, we do get to hang out a little bit more. And now we get to talk a little bit of college football finally. Been waiting to do this. Uh, with our next guest joining us. On the Circuit Resort and Casino hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Um, we are talking to Mike Olick Jr., who's hanging out with us today. Our college football analyst, and of course, host of the GoJo Show podcast with brother Brandon. What's going on, Mike? How are you? Good evening. I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm not on the tarmac with Notre Dame football, so I'm uh, you know I'm, I'm safe right now. I'm inside of a studio, hanging out, and just you know doing my thing, but. But uh, talk to me about Notre Dame and, and you know, the, the week zero's matchup against Navy. I mean, obviously, it's one that's been going on for almost a century now. Um, but rank number 13, how are you feeling about this team going into week zero? Uh, I'm feeling confident uh,
6: with the understanding that there's going to be some growing pains at the start of this season, right? Notre Dame lost a lot of members of its coaching staff over the offseason. Offensive coordinator Tommy Reese, now at Alabama. Offensive line coach Harry Heastan retired. Their special teams coordinator gone to the NFL. On and on down the list. And you couple that then with personnel losses. A couple of different starting guards on offense. Young receivers. The loss of the leading sacker in school history and Isaiah Foskey. And all that means is it's going to take some time to figure out who is going to help offset those things. Having a quarterback, the caliber of Sam Hartman coming over from Wake Forest, absolutely going to help that on offense, a deep running back room, two of the best tackles in football, all good things. But I think for Notre Dame, the good news is your schedule sets up in a way to absorb that before you get to some of the marquee games on your schedule, namely Ohio state coming out to South bend about the fourth week of the season. And so uh, I'm feeling good about this Notre Dame team and, Going into a Navy matchup where you're playing an offense that is certainly not what you're going to see for the rest of the season, still elements of that triple option mixed in, but you've had a lot of training camp to focus on that, and it's not just that one week of preparation that you can sometimes get when the Service Academy games come in the middle of the season.
3: Put some points on the board early, build up some confidence. That's exactly what Notre Dame needs to be doing, uh, because you're right. September 23rd, that's when Ohio State heads on over to South Bend, going to take on Notre Dame there. And they got a couple of other tough ones on the schedule. I mean, Clemson, no pushover later in November. And then, you know, Caleb Williams uh, coming to, to Notre Dame as well in the middle of October. Do you think Caleb Williams will have a, a repeat performance of last year? Because it was kind of like, what's you think, Mike, last year, it was like the beginning of the year, you kind of saw Caleb Williams I and mean, USC Trojans as a whole, right, with their new coach. And, and just you weren't necessarily sure what you were going to get from them. But then, you know, Caleb just continued to excel week in and week out.
6: Yeah, well, I think we got to remember, too, right? Last year it was new head coach and Lincoln Riley coming out there, albeit one that Caleb had familiarity with. He had originally gone to Oklahoma with him, but everything about that USC, USC program was being microwaved on the fly. They were a huge influx in the transfer portal, along with teams like LSU and Ole Miss. And so I think like a lot of times in the transfer portal era now, when you have such an, a turnover of talent on the roster, we do have a hard time handicapping at the beginning of the season. But what we saw early was the benefit of familiarity, the nature of that offense, and what it's always done for quarterbacks under Lincoln Riley, whether it was Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, or the like, it, it's always made it a spitable place for quarterbacks to thrive early. And so I think yet another year in that system, a year where he was the full-time starter as opposed to Oklahoma, where that was sometimes up in the air, uh, I think all of that means that, yes, despite some of their losses on the offensive line at wide receiver with Jordan Addison going to the NFL, that this is still going to be a really potent unit on offense. USC is really going to come down to the defense. Did Alex Grinch and company do enough getting Mason Cobb in the transfer portal, getting Bear Alexander in the transfer portal to shore up a defensive front that did not have an interest in stopping anyone last
3: year? Yeah, and we de- we definitely saw that firsthand. But you bring up some great points about you know familiarity and you know, robbing the transfer portal, for lack of better words. Um, but, but, Mike, who do you feel like can be that team this year, right? When you're looking at top 25 or maybe some teams that are hovering outside of the top 25 that have maybe have, has a new coach or was, have, has the benefit of bringing in a quarterback, you know, via the transfer portal, like is, is it a Cade McNamara at Iowa or is it a different team that you've been looking at and saying, hey, this team could can make a run if they put things together?
6: Yeah, well, I mean, it's really interesting with Cade now. It sounds like he might be banged up coming into the season in a way that could make that a little bit rocky for an Iowa offense. that, listen, we know Struggles mightily is almost allergic (laughs) to scoring points. I I mean, I think we've got the the drive to 325 this year, 325 (laughs) points is the kicker in Brian Ferris' contract to go and trigger some of the escalators there. So I believe that includes defense specialties and touchdowns too. They should be able to get there. If Caden McNamara is under center, but I'd look elsewhere in the Big Ten West. Quite to be honest, Wisconsin checking in at 19 in the preseason AP poll, and you've got Luke Fickle coming over um, with this offense, and you've got Phil Longo coming over at offensive coordinator, Tanner Mordecai coming on up from SMU. And when you look at the things that went into the making of a TCU last year, it starts with the head coach. It starts for going and bringing over quality in the portal, which they've done at other spots, but. Having a quarterback like that that can go out, and I think as someone who ran an offense similar to what Phil Longo is going to bring over, remember all the stuff that we saw Sam Howell and Drake May do in the last couple of years, that traditional spread look, try and get the ball out of your hands, make use of your quarterback as a runner, which Tanner Mordecai is capable of, and then you look at the way the schedule lines up for Wisconsin. I think this really has a shot to be the team that represents the Big Ten West and in year one can make that kind of splash.
3: You're absolutely right. I mean, Luke Fickle coming on over, it's what they needed over there, right? Just a little, bit of, a little bit of life injected into them so they can make that run. We're talking to Mike Golick Jr. here on 670 The Score. I am Gabe Ramirez. Uh, another team that I'm going to be watching closely this year, Mike, is, is the Texas Longhorns. And it, obviously, because I'm going to see how, how long it's going to take for Arch Manning to get, to get himself some, some reps, do you think it's going to be a situation where they get him, you know, more than we're actually anticipating this season?
6: Uh, not if things go well for Texas, and I actually feel like things could go well. And that was how I felt before we saw Brett Yormark's comments at, I believe, a Texas Tech Red Raiders athletics event where he said, I'm going to be in Austin, and pointed to Texas Tech head coach Joey McGuire <laughs> and said, You need to take care of business there the way you did here last year. There is no love lost between the conference and the departing Texas Longhorns, but public comments like that almost assure me that Texas is going to win the Big 12 now. So, I would imagine, and I think the thing we need to take note of with this quarterback competition and where I think it indicates the gap right now in where Arch Manning is relative to being a guy that can go on the field and get meaningful reps for you, look around the rest of college football right now. Alabama still has not called their quarterback competition. Mm -hmm. Ohio State still has not called their quarterback competition. A number of other schools just this week naming starters, Oregon State naming D.J. Uyangale the starter, on and on down the list. Texas named Quinn Ewers the starter after spring football. Like, they did not wait. It was not something they had to hem and haw about. And so I think that was, to me, an indication of, one, Quinn Ewers coming back after being dinged up a little last year where we saw flashes early on, coming back and having that benefit from being in year two in the offense with Sark, but also maybe the acclimation process that a guy like Arch Manning, coming from a smaller school, albeit one that's got some pedigree, is going to have to go through before he's ready to be a down-in, down-out guy. So this is a talented Texas roster. This is an offense that's always been able to cruise under Steve Sarkisian, but a defense that stepped up last year. And listen, we know they're going to have the big test on the road at Alabama early in the season, but outside of that, you've got a schedule that's got a lot of winnable games for them on there. And a real chance to go out on top in this big final Big Twelve season.
3: Yeah, and you put Ewing there, and you give yourself an opportunity to obviously take advantage of that uh, early on in the season, so you can put yourself in the mix come later on. Uh, speaking of later in the season, um, Michigan. I mean, it's like the the, the, the elusive national championship um, that, that is there for Harbaugh with some with some suspensions and some injuries. There is this the year that Michigan gets over that hump and knocks out a, a team like a Georgia in that in the, the college football playoff.
6: I think we would need to see some real regression from Georgia or Alabama, the talent all over those rosters. And listen, this year with the question marks, of quarterback for Alabama with the loss of Jameer Gibbs, who is essentially their only consistent offensive weapon, Will Anderson, who was one of the best pass rushers they'd had in recent memory. That's definitely possible. I think for Michigan, we're not really going to get a lot of answers to the questions until we get to that late run towards the end of the season, right? At Penn State, at Maryland, home versus Ohio State in November, to round out the year against the only real difficult tests that seem like they're out there on their schedule. And what I want to see is, is Michigan willing to be more of the team we saw against Ohio state? Are they willing to cut it loose? Cause they won that game making big plays through the air. They might've finished it running the ball that we're used to, the way we're used to. And Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum, who was third on my Heisman ballot last year, round out a really potent backfield behind a great offensive line. JJ McCarthy's a veteran signal caller. All those things are true. They've got an insanely high floor, which is why they are rightly number two. I think you can pencil them in right now and probably pen them in for a college football playoff team. But if you're trying to get over that hump, you've got to be multifaceted on offense. And we saw the dangers of that when they ran into uh, TCU in that first round last year. And so are they going to empower JJ McCarthy to throw the ball? Are they going to build more of those reps into the games earlier in the season? Because last year, I called their game against Michigan State about midway through the year. And before that tunnel brawl, they had a golden opportunity against the Michigan State secondary that has been lackluster the last two seasons to try and get some reps of throwing the ball downfield, getting JJ McCarthy, plenty of looks at those concepts and it didn't happen. And so that automatically raised a bit of a beige flag for me that now carries over to this season.
3: Yeah. I am going to be watching JJ McCarthy like a Hawk just to see the, just to see the progress, right? Like, what does that look like? You have no one breathing down your neck. Now you have, you have, you know, your squad, you have familiarity, uh, something I'm going be, to be watching closely. All right, Mike, before I get you out of here, uh, what can you tell people listening right now in Chicago uh, as far as rookies that they should be looking at in the NFL that you think are going to make an impact? You mentioned Jordan Addison, obviously playing in Minnesota. We're going to be seeing a lot of them here in Chicago. But any other uh, rookies that you're saying to yourself, yeah, this guy's going to make an impact immediately?
6: Well, listen, I mean, I'll pander right away to the home team here. You guys got one of my favorite linemen in the draft this year in Chicago. Yeah. Darno Right outside of just being a guy who is such a freak athlete that he runs like the wide receivers, even if it's by accident as he's getting his conditioning ready for the season, he he's a guy that I think is – a real great force on that offensive line. Remember, he operated an offense last year at Tennessee where they're running 90 plus plays a game. They're moving at warp speed. And so one of the things people might have thought about is well, is the finish there? Is the endurance there? I think when a guy like that is running. More play, fewer plays in a game the way he's going to in the NFL. You had a guy who was a factor and has a great base in the run game, who I think is a really mature pass protector, and operated in a system that really, despite being a throw-the-ball-over-the-yard thing, Tennessee wanted to grind you in the run game and did too. And I thought Darnell Wright really did a good job of setting a tone for that group. I think he could come in and really be that similar force for the Chicago Bears offensive line that now when you look at their offense this year, hey, DJ Moore comes over and you've got a sure number one option who we saw in the preseason. Doesn't need a lot, doesn't need a ton of time or space to make big plays down the field. He can be a good short to intermediate option for Justin Fields and that means the ball's getting out of his hand faster. That means it's an easier job for the offensive line, and that opens up more of your offense. And so I think Darnell Wright's going to be part of setting a strong foundation that hopefully bears fruit for the Bears this season.
3: From your mouth to the football god's ears, Mike. That's what I will tell you right there. And, of course, Darnell Wright um, used to blocking for someone like Justin Fields with Hendon Hooker under center uh, last year. Mike, I appreciate you giving me some of your time, man. Great to talk to you about college football. Don't get to do it a ton here, uh, but I was glad that we were able to get you on tonight.
6: Absolutely. Hope we get to do it again soon. Thanks, man. Of
3: course, Mike Golick Jr. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Mike Golick Jr. All right, got one more baby segment before I get up out of here. Uh, It is Gabe Ramirez, and I'll give you my last final thought after this.
1: Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
5: Leading ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, at the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's leading ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com.
6: Gabe
1: Ramirez on 670 The Score.
3: Got a couple minutes left with you as we wrap this thing up. I was going to do t- Twitter time, but I feel like we've been too deep in the trenches today. We broke things up with Mike Oler Jr. Great find, by the way. But, like, you didn't know I knew that much about college football, did you now, Leo? Did you now? I know, I know, I know. Shocky, baby. You're like, hey, we got to ask him something about college football. I knew you did a show about it last year. No season. problem. Got it. Let's talk about I know what's in your ballpark. The problem is that we're not doing that show again this year. Oh, And so not
2: canceled. (laughs) Everything
3: get canceled. That sounds so bad. Not renewed. I think uh, we weren't asked to come back. (laughs) That's what I'll say. You went out on top. Yeah, BeckQL was myself, Pete Futek, and Alyssa Bergamini. We had a show called BeckQL You in the Action, live from Chicago. There's like a four-hour show that's live from Dallas, and then we would go live from Chicago, and it was, you know, all about college football, and I thought it was great. I really genuinely thought it was a really good show. P Futek is hilarious. Hilarious. And him and I, our personalities meshed well. He was like an over the top, kind of like jerky kind of a guy. But I was like the one that like would kind of keep him real. Like, hey, you ain't gonna be doing that over here. But then it worked because then he was super self deprecating. It just it worked. It was great. And I'm bummed we're not doing it again. And I learned so much. I could just literally just be like, Pete, tell me something about X team. Just throw it out there. And he'd know, like, everything about it. it was, like, the best couple of hours I had uh, every week. And I'm very bummed that we don't get an opportunity to do it again. Um, but, yeah. So, I got to talk a little college football. Got, uh, we talked a lot of White Sox. Talked some Cubs. Got some Bears in. Even had Anthony Heron stay in for a little overtime. That was cool. That wasn't bad. But now I got to take my ass home. I'm tired. I'll be honest. I'm very tired. Like 2 o'clock, like you work till 2 in the morning, but you just can't go home and go to sleep. You're wired. So I didn't go to bed till like 3. And then let's not forget, I have kids, two of them. Wifey works from the office on Wednesdays, so she was out the door at 7.30 in the morning. So, you know, I had three, four hours of sleep. Then I had to get both kids, two girls, dressed, Fed, brush the teeth, do the hair, get him out the door, put them in the car. That's hard. Then they finally got to daycare. After that, then I had to meet up a friend of mine. I went to a country club today. Did I say that already? No, you I, didn't. I, I knew you went to Turtles, but I didn't know you went to a country club. Turtles was after the country club. Oh, Cool. Shout out my boy, Sam.
2: You golf or are you just hanging he, out at the country club? You
3: know, it was too hot to golf. Yeah. We had a 950 tee time, but it was just, it was too hot. Let me see, 6601. West Higgins. There it is. Hold on. It is. What's the country club right there? Why am I tripping? Where is that? Anyway, I forgot what it's called. I'm going to Google it. Somebody texted me in right now. Where was it? 66. I thought it was 6601 West Higgins. Oh. Uh, country club. Northwest side, Chicago. It's got to be there. Terrible Googler. Dude, it's not Beverly Hills. Ridgemore Country Club. You ever been to it? No. Ridgemore, 6601 I West. I a
2: country club in high school, but Did, not that one. Good tips? No, I, I worked in the kitchen.
3: Yeah, you got to get out there on the greens. Oh, yeah. Be a caddy. Make some real money. should have done that. Should have done that. 6601 West Gunnison, Ridgemore Country Club. Went out there. My friend's a social member. Not a real member yet. Got to be a social one first. I won't say anything else about the country club. It was beautiful. I'll say that. it's beautiful. If I golfed a little more, I'm sure I'd be there. All right. Got to thank my guests today, Anthony Heron, who was on earlier, Mark Grody, 6 o'clock hour, hanging out with me, Bruce Levine, and Mike Golick Jr. Appreciate all of them for jumping on. Got to thank producer extraordinaire Leo Stoddiger for hanging out with us today.
1: But I'm in the club now. I'm in the club
6: and I can't kick you out, right? <laughs>
3: Love that! All right, next time you'll hear me on the radio Friday, I think. I gotta look at the schedule. How much time do I got? Thirty seconds? You got time? I got some time. Let's look at the schedule so I can tell you when I am. Nobody knows when
2: they're working anymore around here. It's just everybody's always here, but you never know when and where.
3: So true. All right, here's the schedule. Tomorrow, nothing. Friday, nothing. Wait a second, I don't work. Until Saturday. Nice. No, no, I really got time to look through this. Yeah. Because this is really the important stuff. You go to the country club tomorrow <laughs> and Friday. <laughs> Great callback. All right. Yeah. This is awesome. Next time you hear me on the radio, Saturday Bears post game, I love it. But tomorrow, download the Odyssey app so you can hear Grody and I do a go live talking about Bears training camp. All right, mi gente. That means my people. Hasta la proxima. That means until next time. I am Gabe Ramirez, and this is Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
6: You just got to let the mail wash over you, Anish. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and dip everything in mayonnaise. How powerful is
1: Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.